This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fucks. You're listening to Playing with Advantage, an informative podcast about the various aspects of the tabletop role playing genre. As always, I am your host, Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D.A.D. across the various platforms. And with me, we have the two legends themselves, James the Hive Master Bardwell. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening. And Brody Elder Fenris Coley, the thing from beyond the stars. Hello, Brody. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, well, today's topic on Playing With Advantage is one that Honestly, it can be a bit of a be a bit of a low topic, especially with new players, and that is the concept of the player death. It's something that you don't want it to happen, but sometimes, be it through accidents, be it through not the greatest decisions, or some just be it through story points, death will come to your game in some aspect. So, like, yeah, I know there are some games that are a little harder on characters than others. Uh, like, for instance. Uh, Brody ran a Xenomorph game, and the first time we ever played in this setting with him, he told us all, and this is all of our first time with this, he said, go ahead and make up two characters. Your first one's probably going to die. And, like, I was horrified because I have played D&D characters for years, like single characters. Uh, but I will have to admit, it only made that particular game more fun. What an introduction to playing D&D with me or tabletop games in general because it's like, first meeting, let's play Aliens. You're like, oh, that sounds great. Make two characters. Why? You're probably going to die <laughs> very quickly. You see, you say that, Brody, but then in the, the Aliens game you play, which was the first game ever set in where you ran, I not only did my guy survive, I saved several people. And poking the bear, Moffat. Yes, I am. I have to admit, in that game, he was a little more lenient. I think he may have gotten a little soft in his older age. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, the with the latest edition that of DNA has come out, fifth edition, I will admit it is the most forgiving when it comes to player deaths. Uh, they kind of and it's it's a weird thing. They almost there's a, a lightness given to it because you have revivify, resurrection, raised it, all these other spells that are so readily available. But even with that being said, it can still be very almost in some cases traumatic when you, let's say you have a player, a character you've been playing for years and years, and then through, you know, a, an unlucky natural one, a misstep of a trap or the, the universe aligning against you, that character now lays dead with no way to come back. It, it can be almost as though you've lost a best friend. I think I want to piggyback off that for a second. That kind of goes into um, your, your setting. Like, for instance, the difference between, like, say, the alien RPG and, like, traditional D&D is, like, going, like, kind of throw back to our Session Zero talk. Um, if you're going to go into playing something like Alien, it's you're kind of expecting, this is a very harsh environment, very, you're, you're almost expectant of death. And there, there's no chance of resurrection for that kind of in that setting. But in like D and D, you have magic, you have things to uh, alleviate death. But it's still not great when you um you lose a character in D and D. Very, very true. And it's like you said, like there are various systems like uh, Call of Cthulhu. There's um, aliens. Uh, there's even like the Fallout systems now where 
because it's quote unquote on the more realistic side of things. I mean, yeah, Cthulhu, yeah. but still more realistic in terms of the player aspect. Death is pretty absolute. Yep. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people do enjoy the more fantastical role play games is because, you know, oh, my character died. Well, my cleric knows Ray's dead. So, you know, I'm, I'm back on my feet. See, from, from a DM standpoint for me, I am not a huge fan of the easily resurrectable characters. I, I like for there to be kind of a a thread of finality. I like I like that because it seems to make the players handle their characters more carefully, you know. I mean all that fantasticalness is there and you know, they can raise a character in the, in a game if I'm running it, but it's not just going to be okay, well, let's pop back to town and we'll raise this guy. You know, generally the character that died, their player is going to wind up playing something else until they can get that done. It's it's a Big ordeal for me usually. You mentioned something interesting there from the from the DM standpoint. Let's take a moment and look at that. Look at a, a player death from the dungeon master standpoint. Now, the only time I have ever like quote unquote scheduled or written in a PC death is when the player came to me and goes, "Hey, I, I know we're like deep into this campaign, but I I don't like where my my build has gone, and I would like to try something different." I really have no attachment to this character, so I'd be okay with him, you know, dying. And that's the point where I'll say, okay, well, let's, how do you want to do this? You want it to be more of a, like, accident, a thing where it affects the party, part of the story, and we'll build from that. Now, I've never just outright looked at somebody and goes, I'm going to kill your character because I want to. Red flag. Red flag. Oh, big red flag, yeah. <laughs> but from a, a DM standpoint, like you said, there are some times, especially in 5th edition, because it can be so forgiving, where your players, they do take that kind of casualness to death, uh, like death saves. I've seen some DMs where the player doesn't make the death save roll, the dungeon master does. Yeah. Because many times I have seen, like you've seen it on Critical Role and other, you know, other streams, where a character will be down in death saves and they'll go, oh, well, I'm fine, I've passed my first one, don't worry about me, keep focusing on the big bad or keep doing this. Whereas if this were a if this was like an actual reflection of real life, if my friend goes down, I don't care how many death saves they've passed, I'm gonna do my best to get to them and try to help them. Yeah. It's not a hey man, you're only a little bit dead. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go f- keep fighting the big bad. When you get to nearly dead, we'll come back and heal you. Yeah. You never know what could happen. Some a stray fireball may land on them, and oh, there goes those other two death saves. Uh, in the in the. A uh, game I just ran for the Natural Ones. Uh, there was a. Th- I told them, okay, guys, this is a a chapter ending villain. Now, normally, most of my monsters, most of the the villains they've come across, they're what I call stupid. <laughs> they if a, like one time a an orc was fighting one of the players, the player went down, the orc moved away from them. This was a villain that you have you have interrupted his plans. You are now a threat to him. He is going to end you. So when the bard went, well, I'm sorry, now the warlock, when the warlock went down after one hit, the villain had two attacks left. So first attack on the down, two crit, two fails. Second attack hit, death. Mm. And that, but I, I made sure that they knew that going into it. Like, guys, this is, I'm not saying, I'm not trying like to quote unquote be that kind of GM, but the monsters at this point, this is a fight that is meant to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Going off what you say, that's the fight you know going in. Uh, you got to be ready. This yes. is this is this is it. This is a big deal. 
There's no shenanigans and funny jokes here. It's time to put on your serious face and go to war. I think that's the way to do that, too, because there's a whole different dis, uh, association and tone when it's, this is dangerous and fun, and when you show up and someone's like, you have to sign this waiver because people have died, right? Yeah. You, you want to make sure you nail that tone. <laughs> Let them know what they're getting into. You know, th- these are nice potato chips, but if you want this one chip in this bag, sign this piece of paper first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, know what you're getting, letting them know what they're getting into, and and it, and it changed the tone entirely. Like because the up to this point, like, they were like they were you know the underdog fighting these things. There was still that era of you know of of com- of comedic effect of that happy go lucky. Yeah. But as soon as they stepped into this combat, it was, it was all serious. You no, know, very few, if any, jokes were made, and it was okay. What do we need? They became very like you said at one point. They became till seal team six calling yes. out orders. Yeah, I talked to actually after you posted that, uh, you know, letting them know that yeah. the seriousness of the situation. I talked to several of your players that week, and just from after that that little warning, they were like on that week. They were getting together, planning, talking. Like the the tone of their out of game. Oh, the Discord was amazing. Watching them. Okay, guys. So what do we have? What do we have access to? What do we need? Uh, do, do we are we getting a rest before? And it was it was just I was watching all this happen. It was great. It was beautiful. I love it when players will do that. Yes. I'm kind of spoiled with my Saturday game. Uh, all of my players in the Saturday game that I'm running right now are uh, planners. Like, I, I present them with a situation, and they work it out. You know, a lot of times they'll spend two hours going through, this is how we should do this. What about this? And, like, I, I almost feel like I shouldn't be, you know, taking the money because they do a lot of the work. <laughs> I, I have been overriding for this session every week. Wow. I, I'll admit the, that fight did not go as planned because uh, the deck of many things is a thing. And when you when, when your player goes, uh, Will of Fate, I undo that event that kicked this whole uh, massive monster into being, like, okay, well, we're going to tone this down. But he's still there. He's still coming. But you have some time now. And that that was Fenriel, if you listen to I'm not. I know you listen to this. Fenriel, if you listen to this, that was just bravo. That was a great moment. It caught me by surprise. It was a great role play moment too. See, I I'd, I would like to commend you on that because I know a lot of DMs would have like DM tricked their way out of the situation so they could still push through the exact thing they had planned because this is what they were prepared for. But letting the characters kind of alter that, you know, something that big yeah. that 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 for me is a mark of a good DM. Thank you. I've got a pretty good story involving a player character death that I, th- I know James will, will know what I'm talking about. In the first Stagande campaign, um, uh, my bestie, Casey, his character, Brynvar, was a Saurian barbarian, which is a big lizard folk. And he was like, uh, he was playing a smarter barbarian. It wasn't, you know, like the dumb stereotype. And he kind of became the de facto leader of the party. Well, there was a moment where they were, y'all were fighting, I think it was the culmination of y'all fighting those uh, blood uh, mages, the cultists, yeah. mm-hmm. and y'all were rescuing some children that turned out to be werewolf. They were pure blood werewolf children. There was an incident that happened, and y'all kind of, uh, y'all were winning the battle, and a villain showed up, a, what they assumed was the leader of these people. Well. This character was way more powerful than they could have taken at that point, and I was not going to push a fight. He was there. He he threatened them. 
he offered him a solution and uh, Casey was like, I charge him. Like, you know, I, I'm, I don't like what he's doing. He's trading something for these children and I don't like this. So he charged him and attacked him. And I said, okay, he power word killed him. He just said sleep and Brynvar dropped. And Casey was like, okay, well I'm fine. He's like, I looked at everybody and I said, you realize that Brynvar's not moving. And everybody got it got quiet, like dead quiet. Yeah, our assumption at that point was that, you know, he, he was injured or unconscious, prone, whatever, but that it was okay. Yeah. And when he dropped that bomb on us, you're like, wait a minute, why is he telling us this? It, it, <laughs> Casey looked at me and goes, I'm dead? He's like, he, he proved, he, he wanted to make an example of you and straight up killed him. And Casey knows, and my players know, I don't just kill anybody just for a reason. There were some other things happening there, and it kind of led to some um, events down the road. But the week leading up to the next session was so stressful for them because I was watching our little group chat just go back and forth because they were so worried. What do we do about, what do we do about Brenvar? What do we do about Brenvar? <laughs> we have to resurrect him. Like, okay, well, we know we can take him to this one place and we can get a resurrection ritual going. What do we say? Like, what do we, what do we do? Well, like, what do we do? <laughs> it was so stressful watching them like fret over that. Cause you had us do the thing where we kind of like present why we want him to be back and everything. And then the, the player makes the decision. Yeah. If the roles work out, it was a, as a, it was a ritual. They, yeah. um, they, uh, all, there was three of them that presented something. It could have been uh, like an act that, or they, a speech or something like that. And uh, that was what they were stressing out about. It's like they had everything else was fine. They had a person they could go to. They had uh, a means of resurrection, and uh, it, it all it all worked out. But it was it was funny watching them fret over it. I mean, I knew deep down. I had talked to Casey, and I was like, "This is you wanted a little bit of something else or for your character." And I was like, "Here is this is something that's going to happen to you." And I pulled him aside. Matter of fact, I made everybody get up from the table. <laughs> before that final role and it was just me and Casey and his character was speaking to a God and they had a whole interaction. And then I called them all back to the table and we did the final role and it was a success and um, they, they came back, but you know, death happens sometimes. See, I, I'm reminded of what uh, in my natural ones game, uh, Seth's character, Kieran Steadybrook. Uh, now it's it kind of, it played out kind of well because this was right before Seth had to go for a, uh, like a, like an eight week, uh, he was part of a production uh, in a local theater, so we was not going to be for a few weeks, which kind of it that kind of worked into it. But look, power word kill is one of the most useful and dangerous spells that a DM has in their arsenal. And the I had in my notes that this one character, this one NPC, whoever hit him first, that was getting thrown at them, and it just so happened it was. Kieran, the, the 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 half the halfling. Well, he hit him, hit him for a mass amount of damage. Turn power word kill, and it dropped him. Now, unbeknownst to my players, I had a, a an item chest in there where one of the items was a scroll of teleportation, which would have taken them all back to their near. They could have used that to go to their. They they did. They took it to their nearest town, where the uh, high priest of the goddess of healing and life owed them a favor. So that there was an easy way to bring him back. 
But in the end, it was like you. I had them. They did a ritual. They each presented things. And in the end, I turned to Seth and I went, "Okay, Seth, you've seen what it, you've seen the ritual. What does Kieran do?" Seth, because he he ne- he had not told me. This had been an entire week since he died. I did not know what was going to happen. He looked at me and goes, "Nothing happens." Okay, the ritual fails, and it. And then later he, uh, through some other stories, he was forced to come back. And now that his, now because of that, his character is this, there's this whole kind of like darker edge to him that it's, it's a great thing to watch. Like in one, uh, one of the natural ones, uh, sessions, they had just, uh, sub, they just subdued a villain, but Kieran still fired a shot, tried to fire a killing shot anyway, even though this creature was attacking them right before his turn, it's, it gave, it surrendered. He'd already fired his, and it was this, this whole darker aspect to him that, uh, and with the story we're working for his for his character story is going to be great. I, it's going to be really cool. But I I like the idea. I'm kind of interesting. You also do it, the the ritual aspect of resurrection, the the fact that it's not just okay. I go here, boop, I respawn, kind of thing. Because that does kind of it cheapens. That really cheap. Yeah, it cheapens yeah. as a DM when when a character dies, when a player character, and even NPCs a lot of yeah. the times. You always want to try to find a way for that to move the story. Yes. Um, so I, I have a question. When uh, when the ritual failed, how did the characters in the game respond? How did they deal with that? Oh, it as as a dun- as as a dungeon master, it it was. I don't. Even, this is the best way I think. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah. Because they like the the big barbarian who who was like the, the kind of the, the backbone, the guy, he, you know, the, the take courage friends kind of character grim. He just kind of got very, very quiet. Uh, even the, the, the newer member Finnegan our wizard, uh, he kind of began to affect him very, and he kind of, uh, at a later session, he vocalized it. The fact that, cause he tried to counterspell the power word kill. Oh, our kill is a ninth level spell. He rolled an 18 total. He missed this, this counterspell by one. Oh, wow. Man. And so that was, and I had to give inspiration because he, he was this whole big thing, but diatribe about how he, he missed. He's, I almost had, I was almost I strong enough. Heartbroken. I was almost strong enough to save him. And, and it's led to this great big thing about how he just wants to, yeah, he does the whole like, you know, fireball, that kind of stuff, all of his stuff. He wants to garner power to, to help his comrades. Um, uh, the at the time everybody knows Montel Stormy's character, who was very, you know, very happy go lucky. He he became very, very quiet, very sullen. Uh Rakara the Dragonborn, who was the him and Kieran were the only original members of the natural ones. Everybody else was new characters. Uh there was this whole big thing that ended with like there was a great funeral episode where it ends with the half orc barbarian sitting last watch over it just and I'm sitting there going, Moffat, you can see in their faces that they're they're about to break down. And I knew if I, because I was about to start crying. I'm like, but man, you know, if you go, this entire table goes. So <laughs> yeah. you have to hold it together. See, I, I kind of think player deaths are like salt. Yes. A really good dish. You know, too much of it, you can ruin it. Um, but like, you put just the right amount in there, and it really explodes uh, what that dish is. However, uh, we've talked about single character deaths. Yes. Uh, there is another thing involving <laughs> character deaths I'd like to talk about. Um, total party kills, TPKs. TPKs, yeah. I have a story about a TPK. Uh, I'm not for certain what system it was. I know Brody was running it, 
Uh, it was basically kind of a take on the Mountains of Madness. Uh-huh. Ah. Uh, <laughs> what system was that in? Uh, that was completely 100% me. That I was, was homebrew? Yeah, I was just Holy experimenting. Holy crap. <laughs> and I... I like to design things gaming-wise and just was like throwing a mishmash of stuff together to see what stuck to the wall. But that was a very fun one-shot that I didn't tell them what it was. I just said, we were, I think it was Halloween. What yeah, it was a Halloween one-shot that we like begged for. And so we just, we all got together at James' house for like at four o'clock and played until like almost midnight. Now, was this also the Raptor one or was that a different? No, this was different. Oh, this was different, okay. yeah. Uh, and I didn't tell them what it was. They, I believe it was specifically requested y'all wanted something modern. We wanted modern horror. Okay. That's, that's like we begged for a modern horror one-shot. Um, and I remember like Daniel played with us, and he, he hadn't been able to get time to play a whole lot just because the way his schedule was and everything. Um, and it was really, we were really excited to have him come in and play with us. Basically what it was is I gave them, I was like, okay, they gave me everything I need. It's like they want something modern. I'm like, okay. And if you know me, I love horror. I love specifically that eldritch, of that horror, eldritch especially horror, cosmic yeah. horror. So I was like, okay, I know what I can do. So I told basically a modern version of At the Mountains of Madness. So they all, it was basically a story of them. Uh, they were like some sort of research team. No, they were. A we were a rescue, rescue group. They were for... going to McMurdo Station in Antarctica. Okay. So they all loaded up, and I believe James' character and Ty's character were like actual like mercenary. We yeah, we were like mercenaries, ex combat vets. Um, and everybody kind of, else was yeah. uh, like uh, rescue people yeah. or like some sort of personnel that could help. Like Casey was a technician or some kind. Anyhow, they all get there, and um, everybody really told me after that they wished it was like a mini campaign because uh-huh. it was not enough time to explore. Because there were so many little things that happened here and there that was like, this is scaring <laughs> the hell out of me. As a matter of fact, uh, the group had split up at one point, and uh, they found this area where it was just this, uh, it was like a workshop of some kind where they stored equipment and vehicles to work on, like sm- snowmobiles and stuff. They go up in there, and it's just viscera all over the floor. And there was a dog kennel. There was no dogs. So they're immediately like... Easy there, John Carpenter. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't like this. So they split up to go do something else. I think the whole purpose was they wanted to get power back because it's going to get um, negative freezing. Yeah. Because it's Antarctica. It's Antarctica. Yeah, it's so, it was so cold, if I remember right, our helicopter couldn't take off. Correct. That, that became was a an big issue point later, of contention there. Which is why they had a flamethrower because they used flamethrowers to thaw the uh, equipment out for like heavy vehicles. Anyhow... They're in there. I believe it's uh, Casey's trying to get the generator going. Daniel was left in there with him, and I believe another person. I don't remember who it was. I was there. If you're talking about the incident where yes. Daniel and I's characters. Well, this is before that. This okay. Is, um, Daniel is standing there. Daniel's doing Overwatch because he was the helicopter pilot, which is going to lead to some contention down the road. Uh, <laughs> Lots of contention. Uh, they're all sitting there, and everybody else is off doing something else. Well, Daniel's looking. There's one window in the room, and he's looking, and it's it's night outside. So there's no lights outside. It's just pitch black and snow everywhere. He sees the, like, the, the, the gleam of something. He's like, what is that? And he shines his flashlight, and a shape moves from the window. And he can see light now. And what it was was the gleam of eyes looking at him. So Daniel freaks out. Everybody freaks out. <laughs> but basically <laughs> what it boiled down to is later on, 
they were trying to get the heck out of there. Yeah. There was weird stuff happening. There were monsters there. And um, it, I was eating it up because it started to devolve. Oh, it did. There was the infighting. So, there was people <laughs> hollering at things, each other. Two things that Brody is fantastic at. One is pacing. Like, he does an excellent job pacing adventures, especially if he's running a horror game. The second one is his damn ability to make sound effects hit at the exact correct I moment. I remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> he did a, that to us so many times that night. There was, uh, that was, that was one of those moments Daniel looked at the window and there was a sound effect I played and Daniel was like, Jesus, <laughs> just screamed. Uh, I, everybody ended up dying at the end of that. I remember like as, uh, like Daniel and I's character, we had it like a point of contention yeah. where there was some physical back and forth going on. Um, and we, we kind of got to a point to where we, we wound up, if I remember right, hitting the the uh, SUV or whatever, and we were trying to drive our way out, which is completely impossible. Yeah, it was like a snowcat. Like yeah, treads yeah. on it. So, like, we as we approached the event horizon where these eldritch beings are, um, we started dropping like flies right at the end of the game, to the point that uh, I believe it was Ty's character is the only one that made it over this uh, event horizon. He got picked up and carried off by one of them. Yeah, that's right. And he so was the last one to wow. die, and through that character's death, we got to see behind the Eldritch Curtain, so to speak, and it was fantastic. Uh, I remember Casey's character had the most just, I don't know if he poignant's the right word. Yeah, he sat down in the snow <laughs> knowing he was going to freeze to death and played out the battery on his Switch. His character did. He's like, I sit down in the snow, I pull out my Switch, and I just start playing. I'm like... That is the most depressing slash um, horrible way to go. He just accepted the fact that there was no way out of this. While he was doing that, I remember Daniel's character and my character, we were having our kind of final confrontation. Y'all shot at each other. I I killed Dan. (laughs) I shot Daniel's character. Um, Well, my character did, not me personally. I I sense a pattern here, James. And then then I just drove the snowcat into the hole that the madness was in. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the end of my character. Uh, there, I'm trying to remember some of the others. I think it, it, a lot of the the body count started near the end. Yeah, it just yeah. it escalated there. But that games like that, um, kind of go get back to our topic. Uh, like especially horror games are, it's it was a one shot, so death was expected. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess, there was every opportunity for escape. We knew what we asked for, <laughs> and they they got it. Yes, um, we did. So I, I'm the I ran a a, a one shot that I, it's part of the whole like Legends of Fatera, where the players were basically it was kind of a um, uh, Congo meets kind of like Eldritch Horror type thing, uh, where they were going through essentially like this lost world type place of of my my homebrewed world. Uh, again, George was part of this, so it was great. <laughs> we had uh, to get our George in. Had to get the George in on this. But they're they're you know facing these like you know dinosaurs trying to eat them these like this uh, tribe of forgotten individuals is attacking them and they finally make it to the ancient temple where they were paid to go uh, collect this ancient artifact. They get there and the first person touches the artifact and they're all suddenly locked in place as the end of this the old man who had hired them suddenly appears on a balcony and as they feel the energy to begin to drain out of them. As his body begins to change and his youth is restored, 
and they realized that the picture they saw of the person who founded the town that they first met up at was not his great, 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 whatever many grandfather. It was him, and this is the temple of the usurper god Soria, who is the god of hunger and predation, and you you are feeding into his high priest to prolong his life. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that that I, there was one, because it was one of the newer players who never experienced, like, a, a TPK. He kind of has a nut. The one-shots are different. One-shots, there's always that aspect of, you know, you're you're not going to make it out because it's a one-shot. It just takes place within, in a bubble. But there was a, a total party kill where my party wanted it, kind of like that, where they were, it was took place in the Pathfinder World of Gloria, and they were assaulting Chiliacs. Well, they needed a special, they were doing a special strike force type thing. It's four of them. They went deep behind enemy lines, <laughs> got caught back there. As their, as their allies and their allies' armies are assaulting the front, massive battle. They go in, wipe out the, the big bad guy, wipe out their generals. They step out to legions of hell knights who have answered a call. And I'm like, okay, guys, you have a way out. You, the, here is your, he goes, nah, we are the Red Guard. We will hold, and they just proceed to go. And it was one of the best combat. They started falling left and right until it was just like the two, the two brothers who kind of started back to back. And I, the, there, no roles were made. It was just full somatic, uh, cinematic. And when the, when the, uh, the, the friendly allies, when the allied armies arrived, they found these four, you know, these four uh, heroes still back to back, even in death, swords out, scores of. And then as I did the, ep- like the epilogue, I said that now in this spot, there was a massive statue erected to the Red Guard. And it was just this whole great moment. Well, yeah, they, they could have left. There was a chance for them to get out, but they knew what, like you, they knew what they wanted. They knew why they were there. And it added to the flavor that they, they went down fighting, and now it's part of the history of that world. That's pretty cool. Let me let me pose a question to the two of you. Uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Have you, either of you ever killed a character, not by choice, but by happenstance of the dice, and you're not aware of it, and it just it happened? Like, have you ever accidentally killed a character? Yes, I have. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, I know I have done it once. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact situation. It's been a while. Um, but it was a moment where there was a lot going on because as battle does, it's a lot to keep up with. And I wasn't paying attention to the numbers and I usually, usually will keep up with my players HP totals or I'll stop and say, how, how, like, what's your HP at? Usually they get terrified if I ask that, but I mean, if the DM asks what your HP is at, that is a bad sign. I yeah. actually I have little like small little cards where it's it's filled out with their a, the current AC max hit points, uh, you know, passive scores that kind of stuff. So I usually have an idea as well. I think it was back in three point five, if I'm recalling correctly. Well, everything killed you in three point five. Yeah, I mean, if you did like over their HP total, it was instant death. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. And it was a moment where even me, everyone went and just stopped. And it's like, oh, he's dead. (laughs) Oh, uh oh. (laughs) So when Kermit died, um, did you know that was coming, or or Uh, that this is in the original Stagande game? This this was our paladin. So shout out to Greg. Yeah. Um, I will. I believe it was told to me that that was his first time playing D&D was in my game. Wow. And I was very happy <laughs> with that facet. He did a fantastic job. Uh, he was an excellent paladin. He was a very excellent paladin. He gave me so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
there, I'm trying to recall because the situation was very bad and y'all were trying to fight your way over a wall into where the, the bad guys were. And Kermit had a flying mount. He was riding on a griffin. I remembered like everything was going poorly. Like we were getting our asses handed to us. And he went into the situation, if I remember correctly, knowing that it was just him that could get to this point in the fight. Yeah, and um, I, I believe I pointed it out to him because uh, Greg said, I'm going to fly over. I was like, your allies are all on the other side of the wall trying to get in. They have not gotten in yet. It'll be just you there. Are you sure? He said, yeah, I'm flying over. I was like, okay. So he flew over, and one of the enemies took him out of the air, and he fell. His mount died, and then the enemies proceeded. They ganged up on him. The, the leader was like, kill him, and they did exactly that. And it was just, uh, I, the moment was, it was almost a Mercer moment because I looked at, at, at Greg and as they were like loading attacks onto him, the, the big bag come up to him and hit him. And I said, Kermit, what are your last words? And everybody just looked at me in horror. Like it was, we, it was that kind of like, you asshole look at yeah. Brody. Like, what have you done? <laughs> Not our dear sweet paladin. The, I mean, this can roll into another topic that we can cover uh, in the same episode, where is how do you play your enemies yeah. in terms of character death relation? Because this was an intelligent enemy. He was a barbarian, and his job here was to kill, was to destroy all the enemies. And he was told, leave no one alive. Before, because I also have mine. Mine was totally accidental because this is when I was just starting into like D and D fifth edition. And okay, I forgot that wizards are squishy, <laughs> and especially because this this kid, his wizard, he was playing his dumb stat was con, mm. so he he was only ever rolling his you know one d six, and I didn't realize that. Oof. And I threw what I thought I threw a an appropriate CR leveled creature at them. It got off a, a natural 20 hit against him and dealt like, I think it was uh, after, after the double, was like right at 40 points of damage. Like, I only have 18 HP. I'm like, you're, you're level three. How do you, he goes, I don't have any con. I'm like, oh, I just dealt double. Okay. Um, dead wizard. Flap. Well, the wizard's <laughs> dead. Um, uh. Speaking of uh, going back to Kermit real quick, the resurrection ritual, ri- blah, 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 resurrection ritual. That now, that one was, uh, it was harsh. Yes. because after the fight was over, they uh, they had they, y'all were fairly high level. Y'all were like fourteen around I, that area. I think we were around twelve, twelve, thirteen, somewhere somewhere in there. around. It there. was yeah, it was yeah. it was up there a little bit. And they had means by this point. They had resources. They had allies. They could go to, and they t- which you know. Greg was the paladin, so I mean, yeah, he he's. Um, they took him to a place, and it's like, okay, you got to prepare your ritual. They did just as they did with with Brynvar, and they, uh, amongst them, they uh, three of them chose. You know, I'm going to take part. I'm going to take part. Uh, Casey, character Brynvar, who was, uh, which by the way, Greg's character was a Saurian, so they were they were the only two. They were like the two big lizard folk in the party, and they were kind of like battle brothers. Yeah. Um. Casey gave a very heartfelt, um, you know, you're my brother kind of thing. And it was pretty moving. Uh, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember who the third, the second person was. I'm pretty sure it was was Casey, me, and AJ. Well, no, you weren't allowed in. I know. That was, like, I spent a week preparing what to say, and then we got to the church, and my character had recently contracted lycanthropy. 
And I could not go on holy ground. Wow. The church was built with uh, mountain ash and uh, wolfsbane. So I got, like, I spent, me as a player, spent a week just trying to pack all the emotion I could, you know, railing against the gods, yeah. you know, and if you don't bring him back, then I don't I don't want you or whatever. Um, and had prepared all this, and then I got to the church and literally physically could not enter. Um, and, like, I had to sit out there and watch, but an amazing thing came from that. I, I believe Xander may have stepped up and to fill your role. Yeah, he stepped in. And he gave a very heartfelt one. But the one person I'd, I'd shout out to was AJ. Absolutely. AJ came out of nowhere and gave, like, this super, like, heartwarming uh, moment to his contribution to the ritual. And um, he rolled for it and got a natural one. Which did not match his performance because he blew that out of the water. I was so distraught just watching him give that, and then that was the result. I was like, in my mind, I'm going, no, no, I cannot let this I, I'm reminded of the, uh, for those of you who, who have seen um, Brennan Lee and his Alexandria Calamity, where, where Sam Regal gives the whole long speech about they're right at the end convincing the, the leaders of the city to stay and go down with it and free up. And Brennan goes, normally you call for a role when there is a chance of failure. But when one of your players gives you a natural twenty performance, no role. I think that that is a moment where that that that's not a no, no role is needed. You have just given a natural twenty performance; it will succeed. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to handle that. That was uh, I, they succeeded, so everything was fine after yeah. that. But to this day, we still talk about that moment. It's like <laughs> it was so. I believe Casey's death, Casey's character's death, and Greg's character's death. Both were moments where we all actually got teary eyed because yeah. the the words yeah. that the other players brought, and uh, wow, it was there's moments like that I wish we were caught on film. We're, we're, we may have to do like a a, a an episode about like uh, rules, homebrew. When do you listen to the dice? When you listen to your player? That kind of thing. Is that yeah. there's a lot of dungeon masters I, I've seen and setting games where they will follow the dice almost religiously, strictly in some aspects. Then you have others where even in combat, they they don't listen. They, they, they go more off of a, a role play than like, you know, than actual combat mechanic. Yeah, me personally, uh, looking at a player character death, I get heartbroken yeah. because not only has that player put in a lot of time and effort into their character, I have as well because I'm like, all right, you've brought me this backstory. I've got all this stuff planned out, and then they die, and it's like, I was about to say. There, so as we we are three relatively experienced dungeon masters. Yes. How much of that is? I'm sorry, your player died. And two, damn it! Now I got to rewrite an entire backstory. I got to rewrite a new story and work this new guy in. Please, somebody resurrect him. He is integral to this part of the story. We need him back. Um, I I've asked before when a player has gone down and they have died 100 percent, do they do you want to come back yes do you want to keep going with this character and most of the time it's yes yeah very rarely will somebody say no i think they had a good run see i'm let them sleep i am definitely the if my character dies i'm playing a new character person even if i love the character most of the time i want that finality because it 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 pushes me as a player uh, to make that character's decisions in a way that matter. 
So for me, I, I generally don't do that. It's like with with Kieran after the uh, his his last character Brolin the, the Dwarven fighter, Krolin the Dwarven fighter died. We were sitting and talking on Discord, and he mentioned that he's he's having a hard time making attachments to anything any other character besides Kieran. I said, well, man, would you want Kieran to come back? He goes, I mean, if it made sense in the story, yeah, I would love for him to come. So we sat and worked it out. There was a whole big thing with a vampire that he made a pact with, made a deal with, this this whole big thing. And he was able to come back, and it's and the the direction he's taken Kieran Steady Brook is amazing. But I like I can see that aspect. I have I have had some characters where, especially because I am who I am, I play paladins, where if like the paladin goes down like holding the line. Uh, he is, you know, I, you know, I am the last line of defense. I will hold while my comrades leave. If he goes down, his his to me, his story's done. He is done. He has fulfilled his purpose. He stood and he stood when no one else could. And at that point, it would to me it would cheapen what he did. The okay, cool. Let's just bring him back and keep going. Yeah, there's a there's kind of a law uh, that cost equals value, right? And if Accomplishing something has cost you something dear like that. The value of that situation goes way up, and it it translates to player death or char- character death. Yeah, I've never killed a player at the table. Characters, <laughs> yes. Oh God, I've uh, thought about killing players. We at all the table. have. <laughs> uh, you asked about the uh, if if a character dies as a DM, you know how how positive or negative way about that from a having to write things on the story standpoint. Uh, I love it. Uh, I welcome the challenge of having an opportunity to bend that story and turn it and like create new avenues for it. Uh, one of the things I try to remember when doing that is you don't know what you don't know. Yes. And there are things that are happening in the world that have Nothing to do with that moment with your party or your story that could easily pull your party or turn your story. And for me, kind of handling that challenge is all about connecting the what I don't know to the what we do know. Yeah, I mean, if your player, if your character dies, um, it doesn't always have to be the end. And I don't mean that in just like they can get resurrected. That could be a whole chapter of adventure in your story. You could have to go on a quest, like say, for instance, something's blocking the resurrection. Well, you got to go find out why. Yeah, they could play a, another character temporarily until they get this other character back. I mean, it it can provide avenues of more uh, chapters to the story. I'm, that's I'm, a great hook. I'm stealing that. Oh, that, that's really, I'm reminded of what happened in the second season of the second campaign for Critical Role with Molly Mock, where Talison's first character died. Mm. Yeah. He, he had him remain dead and then came back later as Caduceus Clay. But then when they went to go get something from, from the body of, of the tiefling, they get there, the grave stands open, the tiefling's body is gone, Jester casts a spell, and all of a sudden they realize Molly Mock's still alive. Huh. And then there was this whole big thing. I, I know spoilers, but at this point, that was like four or five years ago. So if you haven't seen it by now, I, I think the time, I think the, the statute of limitations <laughs> yeah. has passed. But it kind of brings in an interesting aspect because uh, I, I have seen this happen, and it, it infuriated me when it did because it was my, my character. Just because my character dies does not mean I lose agency over it and my dungeon master can take it and do whatever he wants to. Because it, it, it was a bard character I was playing. Uh, I, 
I misplayed him. I'd done some dumb things, and I died for it. Okay, I'm fine with that. This bar leader came back as a as an undead uh, general, much higher level in this army, and I'm like, DM, hang on, you, you didn't run this by me. He goes, well, I don't have to. He's dead. You're not playing me anymore. No, 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 you don't understand this. I had a bad, you know, yeah, maybe he didn't last very long, but I still had connections to this character that you you didn't even, and there was this whole big thing. That's a throwback to uh, toxic DM traits. Very much yeah. so. And But yeah, that that's, to me, even in death, this is your character, this is your player. You still have connection to it, which is why I asked him, you know, hey, if we could bring Kieran back, would you want to? Not, okay, we'll just bring Kieran back then and started always... D&D is, we always say it's a collective, it is a corroborative storytelling game, but it's also, at its core, it's a two-way street. It is, you have to have communication between the DM and the players, or you're just not going to have a good time. I I know, uh, I personally have had players who just refuse to acknowledge where they are as a character in the game that has resulted in death, and while I, I wouldn't do that just to, like, kill their character off because they're annoying me or whatever. It is satisfying when you give them several warnings. That's a dragon. You're level three. Yeah. Perhaps there's a different way you could approach this situation besides running at him with your sword out and swinging it. He does not care about you. <laughs> and you, you warn him three or four times, and they're like, no, nope, I'm going to okay. charge. It's like, all righty then. Uh, uh, while we're finishing this, you know, you can go ahead and roll up another character. Murder, we'll yeah. be ready to go. <laughs> it's like uh, Montel, the, the bard rogue, now turned warlock rogue. Where yeah, like the first thing he did was he kissed a hag. That could have went really bad for him, but it was good role play. So okay, we'll we'll add to it. He later uh, tried to kiss a green dragon, and then was a massive amount of acid damage. Oh god! Uh, but and the the last one he just did, he was standing atop of a uh, warforge, and <laughs> he was standing atop of a warforge, and the warforge basically went critical, went to explode. And he didn't jump off of it. He stayed on top of it, kind of oh, right on no. the ground. <laughs> Thankfully, we had a had a cleric with who was high enough that he had a revivify spell. Uh, I, I do the Mercer effect where I start with a DC of ten for the ritual, and then you know plus five or you know plus so how much, and then the players adding into the ritual can reduce the DC. I think he's like at a plus a plus sixteen or plus seventeen now for like he's at a DC of sixteen or seventeen for his resurrection. Oh God. Oh, he he's he's one of those that he love he's it's not a, I, it sounds like it but it's not a bad thing he is not above putting himself in danger for the betterment of the group I, he I, is the know, one who will take those 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 leaps he'll take those risks having watched some of the natural ones um i imagine when that you guys had that player death and that change between uh stormy's normal character's yeah. actions and stuff to that somberness, that's just such a huge impact. Yes. Uh, because he is the wild card. Well, right now in the last session where I thought it was going to be like the big the big bad villain, the Avatar of Shadows, um, there was some role play. He invoked the name of a, of a patron who was a usurper god of, uh, for his warlock, failed the role. The usurper god... Uh, basically, he was trying. The usurper got one of the energy from within this m- massive uh, ancient artifact. So Montel Stormy started to, but then halfway through, he wanted to blast it outward and away. Basically, just as a as a funnel, as a channel, just you know, get the energy gone. He made the roll. 
was fine. But that means your patron can't have it. You have just actively worked against your patron's interests. Mm. You have severed your pact. And his patron killed him. Oh, no. Well, our great cleric, uh, Sorndren, stepped in and wanted to roll divine intervention. I asked him, me or you, who rolls it? He goes, you, you have to roll it. I can't. He's level, they're currently level 14. On a D100, I rolled a 1. Mm. And so uh, there was this whole big thing we, where we were working into it. And because Montel said, if I can, I want, a, uh, I want a good aligned patron. I would like to go Hexblade. Like, I can make that work. If we get a moment, if we get a chance to, if things align, I can bring it in. And so now he is a Hexblade Warlock, currently missing his right arm. Because the, the pact was made through the arm, and so when it severed the pact, the, the usurper god ripped his arm off. I'll show you. Yeah, I'm just was... saying, that would have been better if he lost an arm and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me an arm and a leg. So, oh. yeah, so currently right now his player is standing there with a, a shining silver long sword, but he can't wield it in two hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> But yeah, and it's, it's, and I love how much, cause like when, when he went down, when that happened, it wasn't just him that kind of went, oh crap. Like you could see around the table, everybody, cause you know, yeah, you know, Montel does the dumb things, but they just went, wait, no, this, this is different. He, like he could be gone. Like he fought a usurper God for, nah, bring him back, bring him back. Right. And it, it was an amazing thing to watch because it's something else. A lot of people don't realize you're not the only one who's affected by your player death. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were building a community, the the brother in arm, the you know comrades in arm type thing, and if we've been playing, you know, this game for literally, uh, this game has been going on for a year, it would it makes sense that they get as invested in each other's characters as yeah. they are in theirs. And we had a in our Wednesday night game that you and I both play in. Uh, we recently had a player character that they didn't die, but they were pulled out of the party by the big bad. And like it was a a really big deal for several sessions, oh, yeah. you know. It it impacted everyone greatly. It kind of changed play styles of some characters and stuff. It was it was really interesting. And a player death, I feel like a player death should always do that. Yes, it should have some type of lasting effect on the game. The 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 games where the dungeon master, the players just go, okay, well he's dead, and we're moving on to the next thing. It's yeah, he's dead. They have a new character now. Uh, this is their name. This is what they do. Next session. Because, like, with uh, with Seth's character before, Kieran, where he came back, the, the Dwarven fighter, Crowland, they still talk about how, like, Crowland uh, went, went toe-to-toe with an elder, uh, an elder Earth Elemental uh, rolled, you know, because of his build, he was, he, he was the crit machine. He was a champion. Uh, and, he, and he got the crit that twice, it's called Heroic Last Stand, quadruple maximum damage, you roll a DC 15 con save, or you fall to zero HP. Because the whole idea is you put everything into it. He got that crit twice. So the first time he went to go down, and action surge is just an ability that happens. Yep. And so that stood him back up, rolled again, pulled the exact. Because I, when I, if you see on my crits, it's, it's random. I you say when, and I pull it, the exact, and I show the exact same crit again. Uh, so he basically dealt like over four hundred points of damage to this elder earth elemental in a single thing, and just put it down. Dear Lord! But I ruled because you're you fell to zero twice. Your heart exploded, and Crowlin Crowlin died. Is buried beneath the mountain. Un- buried beneath the mountain under the elder ele- rock elemental they used for his tomb. 
Huh. Like that is bad. They use the ele- that elemental to build his tomb. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I don't think I could get away without mentioning, and I've just thought about it, and your son's going to hate me. Uh, so th- all throughout the first Sagande campaign, James' son, Xander, character, had a death wish. <laughs> and, um, and it's by no action of me at all. He would find himself in situations where he's either falling from a great height, okay. falling into fire, <laughs> Or getting eaten by something and ending up in death saves, but he never died. He was always getting out of it, and he would taunt me with it. Oh, no. So much so that it waited until the final battle with the ultimate villain of the campaign that uh, I believe used Disintegrate on him. Yeah. And Xander's character was no more. And it, it was... It became such a running joke with me not killing him and him coming so close to death that when it actually happened, everybody was like, did, did he just die? <laughs> and Xander goes, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm not mad at all. I knew it was coming. This eventually. seems well-deserved. Which he did have that ring on that would hold a soul. He had a ring on, a magic ring, that in the event of his death, his soul would be sucked into the ring. Just for the record, I have used that ring in two campaigns since then and have Worked up backstory for it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love stealing things from good DMs. Again, a a, a good DM, uh, a, a good DM is uh, innovative, and they they take ideas from others. A great DM just outright copies copies work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's uh, party deaths, player deaths. That can be something that, especially for newer players, it they may not be used to the idea. The fact that, you know, well, this is a fictional character. Why am I so invested? Why am I literally crying tears when this player has died? I'm fine. It's it's right here. But it harkens back to what we talked about in a lot of, a lot of these uh, episodes, people want to call these sessions, a lot of these episodes where you make a connection to, to this game, you get immersed, you're pulled into it Mm -hmm. and it affects you in some ways that you honestly may not be ready for. Yeah, and that's where those lines of communications and talking and having just a good discussion—that's uh, where that comes into play and is very useful. Uh, I think uh, probably one of the most impactful things that can happen in a D and D game—you uh, have the the amazing victories when you triumph over the BBEG, but like really close to that is uh, character death, and, and just those tend to set the stage for really good, really emotional story and role play. So if you do have a player death, like as a new character, a new player especially, don't don't let it discourage you. Don't let it be a daunting thing. Try to figure out how you can let that affect that the story, uh, you know, as you move into your new character. Yes, because that, that is one cool thing. With the death of one character, you get to create a whole new character. And I've actually had games where players will let the death of their previous character uh, affect the new one. I'm not saying you go, uh, well, Bardwick has died. I am his son, Bardwick II. You you don't, please don't do that. <laughs> I've seen it happen before. They just, the famous story about the, the kid who lost his paladin, just put the Roman numeral two next to the, the name. I am his son. And just, it, no, it's, it's okay to build an entirely new character. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So I, I think with that, that kind of brings up the the main, at least the 
the main idea of, of like player deaths and party deaths. And they can be very daunting, very scary. And sometimes it may hinder you from wanting to like push yourself to the fullest. I've seen players where just the, the idea that their, their character could die, that they love so much has stopped them from doing things. And to me, that kind of, it means that you're not getting the fulfillment. This role-playing game is a, it's a reflection of, of life. And unfortunately, we as humans, we're mortal beings. We, we are born, we grow up, and yes, eventually, most of us, Brody, <laughs> looking at you, you eldritch horror, uh, most of us will die at least one point in our lifetimes. Shh, don't give away my secret. At least once. At least once, yes. Uh, and, and that's okay. It's, and I've seen people, they use role-playing games and player deaths as a way to cope with other aspects of their real life. Now, again, role-playing death, I mean, TTRPGs are not therapy. If you need help, seek it out. But they can be a way to help you deal and express. They can be therapeutic. They can be therapeutic. Thank you. They can be very therapeutic on their own. And after all the jokes we've made after the lightheartedness, Player deaths, even as a DM, are very can be a very serious and very, very emotional time, and that is the time where after the session you want to sit around and go, "Okay, guys, this is what happened. What do we think about it?" And with that, I I believe that we're gonna close this one down for the day, folks. Uh, so as always, I am Kenneth Moffat, aka Southern D and I'm James at the Hive. I am Brody Elder Fan. And for those of you listening, please, wherever you listen to us, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, follow, subscribe, give us five stars. It helps out a whole lot. The the gods of the internet, it does draw their attention toward us. It helps with the algorithm, so to speak. Uh, and there is so much more coming from Playing With Advantage and from the Hive Media that we just cannot wait to share with you guys. So with that, I will just say to all of you adventurers, see you later. Today, we'll be talking about Total Party Kills! And Player Day.